Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Trevor Sickable with me is Benjamin Solak on a beautiful Monday morning edition of the podcast. Getting your week started off right with some summer scouting. We are back at it again today. This time switching positions literally to the running back position. If you missed quarterbacks last week, we went through a lot of the guys that are gaining a lot of hype as we go into the season. Ben and I talked about uh, some strengths and weaknesses that we see in a lot of those guys. Did a lot of film breakdown, a lot of scouting notes. Uh, and eventually, at the end of the week, came up with our top five rankings for quarterbacks going into the season. We're going to do that same thing with running backs this week, although we are starting a day earlier. Ben is back at his humble abode, so that means that, folks, yes, we will be getting a Fan Friday at the end of the week. I'm excited to get to this running back group because... There's a lot of, I feel like, hidden playmakers within this class. It, it, to me, Ben, it felt like it was the same as quarterback where there were some names that we knew, but we always know that running back is really deep. You get into rounds three, four, five, six, and there's these players that come off the board that you just, they're your guys. They're your fan favorites. They're guys that you really like to see in certain situations. I feel like that's always the case with running backs. And so this is a week that I've always looking forward to each and every offseason. But before we get into our explanation of the three guys that we're going over today, I must ask, how are you, my friend? Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. Um, still on the mend voice-wise, but that's what you do when you can't shut up, is your voice never gets 100% back. You? And so that's never on shut me. Up? What? Me? What? Who? No. What? 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 Okay. Um, I agree. I was trying to reflect on what some of our major takeaways were. From last year's summer scouting running back series, and I just remember disagreeing on Kenny Gainwell, and then for like eleven months, we still just disagreed on Kenny Gainwell, mm-hmm. and then he ended up a middle day three pick, which is more so where I had him for the Philadelphia Eagles, and that was just kind of a nice little like hilarious, oh. yes, <laughs> because and like I said, round five, I'm fine with it, but um, it's funny now that I'm transitioning to like a little bit of a fantasy mindset because I'm doing drafts and whatnot. I keep on ending up with Kenny Gainwell stock because I know how I feel <laughs> about Miles Sanders and I know what I think the Eagles coaching staff is going to do. So it's just a, fu- a funny way that everything comes full circle. I have my list right in front of me of my top five running backs going into the season last year. You want to hear it? What was it? Yeah. Kenny was actually sixth, So Kenny didn't make my top five. Uh, I had Chuba Hubbard at number five. Whoa. I had Max Borgie. At number Love four, Love had him. had Najee Harris at three. I'm an idiot. Uh, and then I had Journey Brown, the Penn State running back, who didn't end up playing because he actually had to give up football uh, due to injuries. So uh, Journey right. Brown, I had his number two. And then Travis Etienne, I had as my number one running back. I I don't remember what my order was, but I'm positive I didn't have Journey Brown that high. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I know yeah. you didn't because we we freaked about we freaked out about it. When it happened. That's how, that's how those words are supposed to go. Okay. We're getting to three guys today. Three guys today. Three guys tomorrow. Best of the rest on Wednesday. We're going to get to like as many running backs as we possibly can. Thursday, we're going to give you our top five episode, and then we're going with Fan Friday um, on Friday. We've had a different format in years past. Like, we've done 
sometimes we've done three, 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 and then like the best of the rest on Thursday. And then we've done like top fives before fan Friday, but you guys really enjoy fan Friday so much. And as the podcast has grown, we've gotten so many questions now for fan Friday. I don't want to eat into that hour if I don't have to. So I'm going to, we're, we're going to try to make this work, this little format here and try to give you guys a full fan Friday day at the end of the week. So the three players that we are going over today, Brees Hall from Iowa state, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M and Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. Ben, is there a specific running back that you really wanted to talk about to start this podcast here? Okay. I think we have two good running backs and one special running back. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know exactly how much I like them, but in the spirit in which you are explaining them, I would agree with that structure. Yes, I think that we okay. have two that you really that that are that you could like, and then one that could be really really nice, be almost everything that you would want. Yes. Okay, so do we want to? play a little game of chicken and I'll name one of the, the good players and I'll see if you agree. And then maybe we try to get to the second good player and see if we still agree. And then we can end on the real, on the special one. Okay. All right. So I'm going to open with Kyron Williams, the, the running back out of Notre Dame who I like, I very much like, um, Kyron is five foot nine, about, uh, 200 pounds. I think they currently have him listed like at one ninety five. He's like a buck 95. Right, exactly. He was a running back, wide receiver, kind of skill athlete dude coming out of college, uh, high school, excuse me. And so it alludes to his uh, good hands out of the backfield because he's a good receiver, um, but also the fact that he's not necessarily the biggest guy. I think he's put on some good weight, and now he's got a good running back sort of build, running back density. And that shows up. Uh, Kyron's a good between-the-tackles runner. He's a good short yardage runner because I think he's decisive and he knows how to use his power. And then especially what always stands out anytime you watch Kyron Williams is the pass protection. Why this guy is so good at pass protection when he was like kind of also playing receiver in college or in high school? I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's just the whole like Notre Dame has an amazing offensive line. So we're going to have amazing pass protection. So we might as well get the running back in on this. But I don't remember freaking Josh Adams and Dexter Williams being this good at pass protection. This is bananas. Uh, Kyron is stunning in terms of his willingness, physicality, technique, and recognition. Pretty much every category you look for in terms of a pass protecting back. And at five foot nine, he doesn't have the longest levers, but he understands how to get underneath guys. Um, and so even when, you know, okay, he's dealing with a, a, a blitzing linebacker or a blitzing nickel. Then he'll square up that guy. He'll get his shoulder pads into his chest. And, and, and you know, running backs, we don't typically expect to sustain blocks. He can sustain blocks. But almost universally, he will deliver enough of a hit to delay that guy, move him off of his path, give Ian Book, give the quarterback room to work around in the pocket. When Kyron has to, like, deal with, like, chipping an edge, he's good. And I don't know why he's this good. He's <laughs> not know. that big. I know. And, like, and like, like five, a, nine. Did you, watch the, did you watch the Bama game? Yes, there was a there was a play in the Bama game Christian Harris where like DJ Dale's coming straight at him and he, <laughs> he gets in his way and I'm like, dude, good on you, man. He does he doesn't fear, man. He really doesn't. Uh, and so that willingness is awesome because it means you're you're on the field for third down. If you're on the field for third down, you're valuable valuable to NFL teams. NFL teams are drafting running backs that they think can contribute on third down earlier than they're drafting the, the, the really good runners who are one to two down players. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Now, when you do look at him now exclusively as a running back and try to understand what he's going to be able to do, 
explosiveness, what he's going to be able to do, uh, long speed. I, I think he's a good general athlete. I don't think he's a great general athlete. Uh, I like the low riding frame. I like the incidental contact balance. I think he could do better getting his feet into the ground as contact arrives. There's time where I think he gets tripped up on hits that shouldn't necessarily trip him up. And it's because he's not yet anticipating it with, with, with the speed that you'd like to see. So that ability to get skinny mm-hmm. through gaps, that ability to be slippery. I say he's a good between the tackles runner because I think he's decisive. And I think that he's willing to put his head down and he's going to carry bodies forward. But there's times where he doesn't anticipate contact as well as, as I think more natural runners do. Um, and so that does lead to some plays where you're like, that eh, nah, could have been a bigger uh, uh, run than it should have been. So I think that, you want some improvement in contact balance. Number one, understanding that you're not going to get a big amount, a uh, uh, crazy long speed. Uh, you're not going to get, uh, you know, track speed run away from guys here. You can probably put even more weight on his frame so long that he can take it, and that'll help him with his contact balance as well. Um, but like five nine two oh five is not like unheard of in terms of a build. So I think that you can put more weight on his frame, and that'll help him with that as well. Um, and then in terms of open field elusiveness. I just don't – I think that he he likes to go through people. He likes to play through contact. He likes to finish his runs tough, and that's nice. For a guy with this build, you'd like for him to have a little bit more in terms of shaking dudes in space, a little bit more in terms of agility. He's not deficient in that area by any means, but I think about, like, your Naeem Hines builds of the world, and I think about your Tariq Cohen's builds of the world, which mm. Tariq Cohen's not a fair – comparison because Tariq's carrying like what 20 fewer pounds or something like that yeah right yeah I Tariq mean he's, he's much smaller yes yeah yeah but if you think about what those little pass catching backs because Kyron's a good like you know safety valve check release guy they're they're able to make that flat defender miss in wide open space one-on-one and that's how they create those six yard gains from those check downs which keep your offense on schedule and I'm not fully sure he has that and so that for as good of a pass catcher as he is mutes the 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 really high end comps the really high end projections a little bit in my mind i think i'm higher on 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 kyron williams than you are i i i really really do like this player you mentioned some athletic athletic limitations to him or just maybe not that like wow kind of speed I don't know, man. I felt like I saw it. I, I mean, when he was able to get a running lane where he could get out to the outside, I mean, I feel like he was able to put his foot in the ground. I felt like he was really explosive in short areas. Uh, I, I read that he had a 35-inch vertical jump coming out of high school. So, you know, you talk about just the power that he has that track, in that his tracks. leg. You know, and it's just like the shiftiness, the short area explosiveness that he has. I was very impressed with it. And then, you know, you watch that very first run against Clemson where, uh, you know, it's a, it's a zone blocking concept and, and, and Clemson's doing a little stunt. And so they really get caught <laughs> where they're not supposed to and everything gets lined up where it needs to be. Guys get to the second level. He gets to hit the gap to the outside, and boom, he's off to the races. He's one-on-one with the safety, and he just little stutter steps him, frees the safety, puts his foot in the ground, gets more towards the sideline, and that was it. He was off to the races, and nobody was catching him. I feel like he really does actually have some home run ability, and I think that that's going to sustain him going into the NFL. I think that that's still going to be there. I don't think that's going to get lost in translation. I... Felt like he presents a really high ceiling as a total running back. I thought he had good hands out of the backfield. I thought he was a natural receiver, as as you mentioned there. The pass blocking is crazy, man. Like, uh, you know, 
we we talk about size and length and just going to say more of like a trenches argument. You know, we we love these guys who are like, oh, you know, like he's he's six five, you know, like three forty or whatever. He's just this big, massive dude, long arms, heavy build, everything, and he's just a monster inside. Like he can take up so much space, and that's true. You definitely want that. I mean, it, the game of football still boils down to big people beat up little people. Like that is still the motto of the game of football. And so you're always searching for athletes that are bigger because that's just it, it's always worth more. It's more valuable. There are less of them walking around on planet Earth. But when you happen to get, say, interior players, like a defensive tackle, who is shorter, you know, closer to 6'1", 6'2", whatever it is, and they understand how low man wins and how leverage is so important, and they just continually get up and under people to just displace them and end their momentum and not allow them to gain power from their lower body. I mean, that becomes so worth it when it comes to controlling your assignment, getting up through the pocket, getting into the backfield. Kyron Williams, when he stands in the backfield at five foot nine, 190, 195 pounds, you say to yourself, if they get a free man up the middle, or off the edge, Ian Book's getting smacked, right? I mean, like, there, there's there's no chance he's getting in front of these people. And the fearlessness, the mentality that he has to go at anyone, any given weight, any position, coming through any part of the line of scrimmage, he will, he fully understands that he is smaller, and he uses that actually to his advantage where he can. He gets up and under guys. He attacks them straight in the midsection, and he forklifts these dudes. Sometimes linebackers that outweigh him by like 30 pounds coming at him full speed. And it's that He mid- stunned Chaz Surratt a Dude, couple of times against nuts, North Carolina. Nuts, just put man. him on his butt, man. There were a handful of plays in that Clemson game where he just erased these free rushers, no matter where they were coming from, up the middle, off the edge, across the line of scrimmage, where he would have to shuffle right in front of Ian Book. Like, all of this, he was so aware and so advanced when it comes to pass protection. He took that mentality, that fearlessness, and you said it there. He likes to run through people. As a five foot nine, 190, 195 pound runner he loves to just smack people and get those extra couple of yards when he gets momentum there he takes that mentality to everything as a rusher and I really appreciated that especially because I felt like I noticed a good base of athleticism a lot of playmaking ability and I thought a lot of juice from Kyron Williams then you actually give him that kind of mentality I think it's a big time plus now the biggest area of his game where I think that he certainly needs to get better is just overall maturity as a running back. You know, he's had ball security problems. I, I read that Dane Brugler, um, he highlighted that. I think he had five fumbles and he was like one of, uh, I can't remember the exact stat. He, he was, he, it was, it was a rate of where he was, I think, fumbling the ball once every like 50 touches. And that's just, it was, it was one of the worst percentages and odds uh, in college football. So that obviously has to get a lot better. I also feel like Kyron, he pushes like everything is go, 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 go from him. And there's just not a lot of patience to his game yet. But he was a redshirt freshman last year. 
His entire calling card, how he got on the field, how he became the starting running back for Notre Dame was because of speed and getting to the outside and finding open space. So, of course, he's going to try to continually do that no matter what. I feel like with more snaps this season, maybe next season, whenever it is that he comes out in the NFL, hopefully he gets somebody with him who could really just have him take a deep breath and and notice things a little bit more. You mentioned how he takes on contact more than he should, and I think that it's just because he's just uh, gone. You know, like that's just what he yeah, wants to I do. Agree. And when I look at that, I kind of take that criticism a little bit like I took the um, like, let's say the Malik Willis criticism that we had last week, where it's like, these are fixable things like, the, yes, it's mental processing. And obviously, you know, everybody kind of adapts to that differently as sometimes it takes more times than others and everything like that. But when I look at the areas of Kyron Williams game that would hold him back from being an RB one in the NFL, if you ask me, they are absolutely correctable things. He has the athleticism. He has the natural gifts. He has the mentality. He understands the little things in the game. He's there are moment there are moments when he has had to make a split second decision to go be a playmaker and he has absolutely done it. And all of those things as a baseline make me love Kyron Williams. So that I mean, I I'm a big fan of his man. I, I really like him going into this season and and he's gonna be one of my favorite guys in this class, I think. Okay. I there are two plays that I cannot get out of my mind. So the first one is right, the, the big Clemson opening touchdown, right? Clean through the second level. He gets to the third level unimpeded. So nothing has slowed him down yet. It's just one-on-one against a safety. And it's Nolan Turner. So it's a white safety. And he gives him a little hesitation. And then he he he, he works up to the outside on the outside hash. Right? Or, or on the sideline, excuse me. And he's just able to get around Turner. Number five for Clemson, who's in edge, is in backside pursuit. And... In a five, like in in a stretch of like five to ten yards, is keeping pace with Kyron, who's basically going at top speed, and then five gives up on the play because he's too far behind. So there's that, and then he's in a very similar situation against North Carolina, clean through the second level, head up with the safety with a ton of steam, gives him the little inside fake, and works to the outside. And this safety turns around, gets on his horse, and chases him down. And when you watch Kyron get to the outside, in my opinion. You see a player who is waiting for the right opportunity to slam the brakes, work the offhand, stiff arm, and work back inside because he knows he can't win the corner. That's what freaks me out. So I think that that's – I just don't think that he has the the ideal third-level speed that you want. And 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 I know I say this all the time, but it, to me, the game is about explosives, especially in the running game now. You're, you're 100% right, and I think that when – and I, I think it comes down to, like what I said initially, I'm just higher on him than you. We seem to see the player somewhat similarly, but I right. think that he is more athletic than you do. And you know what? There's another guy that we're going to talk about here on this very podcast, on this very episode, in which wow. that comes into play. Part of yes. that comes into play. How athletic is this person? Because if you hit, if you hit the checklist— and you go, okay, he is athletic enough. Then all of a sudden, everything else clicks. And we talk about a really good prospect. But if it doesn't, then you bring a lot of, well, what makes this guy better than just a guy? What what is he? Where does he stand out in the NFL? So I, I do think that I hear your 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 critiques of him. And, you know, if he is not the athlete that I envision him as, then I see that your points. And I think that they're right. valid. I it's just, a difference I, I in the 
in the valuation, not necessarily the evaluation. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. We're just trying to see, yeah, how fast it's. Kyron, hit us up. We know you're listening to the podcast. Let us know the last time you ran a 40. Tell us what it was. Um, before we get on to our next guy, I got to remind people about BuiltBar.com. These are the best tasting protein bars on the planet. They've got nine delicious protein bar flavors that you can order at any time, plus the limited edition flavors that you can only see if you go over to BuiltBar.com. I got to ruin the surprise for you. You guys got to go check it out yourself. But they've got the great baseline stuff as well. So if you're, you know, if you're looking to switch protein bars, if you're out of your first built bar uh, supply, if you're out of your next built bar supply, whichever number it is, head over to the website, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15, best tasting protein bars, and they're the best for you. They're low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein. High in fiber as well. So they're great for your macros. You can enjoy them morning, noon, and night. Use that promo code LOCK15 over at BuiltBar.com. Get yourself some of the best tasting protein bars out there. Uh, we're, we got more running backs coming up after the break. All right, who's next, Ben? Who are we going with next? Okay, so two backs left. I think one is really good. I think one is special. You think one's good, and you think one is special, like, you know, generally. I want you to pick the, the good player that's left, and I want to see if we agree on these guys. You want me to pick... I want you to – so whoever's the best player, I want you to save him for last. And I want to see if we agree who the best player is. Okay. Uh, I think then the other good player that I like is Isaiah Spiller from Texas a We agree. Oh, man. I thought we. I thought you were going to say – I thought you were going to say the Spiller is special. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. I love Spiller. I just – if I'm going to be honest about what I think Kyron Williams is athletically, I got to be honest about what I think Isaiah Spiller is athletically. Right, right, right. Uh, Spiller is not is a very similar play style as a runner to what Kyron Williams is. It's just Spiller's carrying an extra 25, 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. And as I brought up with Kyron, that is intuitive. That is uh, indicative. Isaiah Spiller among uh, running backs in the SEC last year was first in yards per carry, first in yards after contact, and first in, for, in, in missed, enforced missed tackles uh, as per uh, PFF College's charting, which is not surprising. Uh this dude's a tank and he's a he's a uh he's not just like a first contact i'm gonna blow you over i'm gonna punish you i'm gonna lose my balance i'm gonna finish falling forward but boy oh boy like i'm gonna survive this first contact no no no. he's like i will break the first tackle while i'm watching the second tackler come and preparing to break that tackle as well he can take head-on contact and bounce right off of you he can take glancing contact and keep his momentum he can work the offhand extremely well to make what looks like good tackle opportunities a little bit worse uh, he's got enough change of footwork i think he's smart using his feet he's a little bit upright he's a little bit of a long strider so he has to settle is, his weight yeah. down he has to sell his weight down. He is like six one, you know, and change. I think he's clearly above six foot. So he does have to drop his hips a little bit when he knows contact is coming. He's not a natural low rider. It's not like a Nick Chubb sort of a situation, but he knows how to do that well. And he knows how, how to keep his balance and keep his momentum. He works his toe drags, right? He works his wide bases. Like he understands how to do the little things to take already naturally very good contact balance and maximize it. I do think he is explosive for a 220 pound back i wouldn't be like oh That's he's fair. one of the most yeah. explosive backs but i do think right like i said a little bit of a long strider and and so it can be you, you can think that it can be tough for him to get the the gas going but he honestly can in the hole when he sees it develop quick and he doesn't have to be patient and it's it's time to hit it he can't hit that pickup once he gets into the third level it's just kind of like all right 
how many people can I hit? Because <laughs> he just doesn't have that second gear as much. Uh, more consistent getting through the first and second level than Kyron. More effective in the open space, using his footwork and, and, and his offhand, his physicality than Kyron. Has better vision, better instincts than Kyron. But the same problem exists where once I get this guy into the third level, I start asking myself, just how many 10-yard plays can he turn into 40-yard plays? Which, it's a, it's a rich man's question, but it's a necessary question when we're talking about the top of the running back class. Mm-hmm. Not the same third-down guy as Kyron as well. I doesn't have the receiving background. doesn't have the, the, the same pass-protecting ability, though the right. frame is there. So there's a little bit there that needs to be done. I'd be clearly a better runner. Um, I like the player a lot because I think he, 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 he knows where his bread is buttered. He does the game very well, does the little stuff, mature player. Also think he's high ceiling just like Kyron. But there is a limiting factor in terms of his long speed, in my opinion. Yeah, so Spillers is junior going into this year. Uh, like Ben said, stands about 6'1", about 225 pounds. So, I mean, this, this is a big running back. He was a four-star recruit, committed to Texas A&M, but he did almost go to Oklahoma. He almost, he wanted to follow in the footsteps of Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was his running back idol growing up, and so he almost did oh, that. But that explains the 28. And Yeah, ends up going to Texas A&M. You talked about the maturity in his game, and I do think that that's something that shows up. And and a, a reason for that is because this guy started 17 games already. You know, he started as a true freshman. He's he started over some really talented backs and just playmakers that A and M's had the option to put there in the backfield, and yet Spiller's been the guy the whole time. And so, you know, when you look at a player like Kyron Williams, and then another player like Isaiah Spiller. And you see that maturity in Spiller's game. I mean, there's a reason. I think he's got a lot more snaps um, and just a lot more game reps under his belt. But it's to his advantage. And I don't want to say that in any way, take it away from Spiller. I I mean it to say that that's absolutely a strength because when you look at him and when you look at his athletic profile, you would say to yourself, okay, this is a power back. This is somebody that we're putting in on third down situations, short yardage situations, whatever, when we got to hit somebody in the mouth. And maybe, you know, maybe he's a plus enough of an athlete to where he can keep defenses honest and they don't get to stack the uh, the inside gaps on him. But he's got elusiveness. He knows how to set dudes up. Like, he knows how to wiggle and move a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's got that little shoulder dip where he's he like, does. I'm about to hit you. It never is. And, you know, there were a couple of times, I, I'm thinking in that Tennessee game for sure, where he'd put his foot in the ground and he'd be like, boom, I'm a one cut back. And then his body would go, no, you ain't. <laughs> so, like, there would just be moments where he would want to pull off a move. And he would a little bit. But he just, he wouldn't have the exact same kind of change of direction explosiveness as, say, a player who is closer towards uh, 200 or sub 200 pounds. But sometimes he likes to think that he is. And you know what? Sometimes it pays off for him. Because the defense, a lot of times, is not expecting it. When you continually hit guys in the mouth and you continue to lower the shoulder on them and you continue to say, hey, you better bring it or you better bring your friends if you want to bring me down. All of a sudden, when you put a little bit of finesse in your game, I think it can go a long way. So I do like Isaiah Spiller. If you want to believe that he is a first round or top 50 running back and feel absolutely vindicated about it, just watch the LSU game and nothing else because LSU had no idea how to contain the run on him. And he reached the second and third level often in that LSU game. And when he did, you mentioned he got some of those longer strides. And I think that uh, LSU just did an absolutely terrible job with their run fits in that game. And Spiller took advantage of it because he's a little bit faster. Now he ran a reported four, five, eight, 
40-yard dash out of high school. And that was when he was weighing 201 pounds. That's what his recruiting profile was before he got to A&M. He has put 25 more pounds on there. Now, I think that it's an athletic 25 pounds. I don't think the dude's just gotten fat or strong just to be fat and strong. But if he was running high four fives in high school, I mean, he's probably running that same, if not yeah, maybe I think a little bit I think slower in. Five, five, four, five, five player. I mean, I, right I, now. I, if you get, if you get four, five, five out of Isaiah Spiller, you got to be happy. But like, the thing is, I, he's got long, he's just got long levers. He's got long legs, long arms. I mean, he so, does. There's yeah. a lot to move, whether when it's weight or in size, it's just a lot to move. But, that still goes into it, right? I mean, like, we could sit here and we could say, like, oh, he's fast for his size, but is he still getting caught by defensive backs and safeties? Is he still getting caught by linebackers? Because if that's the case, right. it's just hollow praise. And for Spiller, that's why I ultimately see Spiller in the NFL as a committee back. Now, there's plenty that he could do this year to maybe he could just prove that he's an absolute workhorse and that changes. But as of right now, I would say that he could be a really great committee back in the NFL. But what he needs to do, what he needs to get better at in order to achieve that is he's got to get better on third down. You've got a 6 foot 1, 225 pound running back and I've got a 5 foot 9, 190 pound running back who blocks better than you do. You know? Yeah. And you just, like, Spiller has to be much better as a pass protector. And, I mean, to Spiller's credit, he's had a handful of receptions over the last two years. It's not like he's just got stone hands, but he has to improve on those third down abilities because I really feel like Isaiah's bread and butter in the NFL, as you always say, is going to be a committee back where he's working a little smash and dash with maybe a smaller, faster receiver, splitting work on the early downs, coming in on right. third downs. Like I think that that's going to be his ideal role in the NFL. And I think yeah. he could have a lot of success with that, but he's got to get better at the third down stuff. Yeah, I think he's going to get a ton of Arian Foster comps because when you're like over six foot, over 200 pounds, 220, and kind of slow, it's like, oh, he's Arian Foster. He, I, maybe, hopefully, um, that'd be great. He's probably James Conner. And I think that that that's a comp that I landed on that I liked for him. Yeah, that's better. And I think right, that's and better. I think that if you think about how Connor, you know, obviously in Pittsburgh it was kind of weird because he was injured and they were doing a whole rotation. But like what Arizona envisions with James Connor and Chase Edmonds is probably right what you would envision Correct. with Isaiah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I'm with you 100. Uh, percent All right, last guy, the special guy. You got ads or no? Uh, you know what? All right, I can, I can read the ad. I'm just saying, I'm not. You can't get me excited about Brees Hall and then ask me to shut up while I listen to an ad. Bet you online is the fast and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing right now, and you can check all the action over at Bet Online before the next pitch. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information, everything that Bet Online's got going on. Go to their website, or like I just said, you can use your mobile device as well. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, whatever it is, when you use the promo code Locked On. That's all caps, one word, Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ben gets to talk about his excitement over Brees Hall after the break. All right, the people have waited long enough. We saved the best for last. We did a great job teasing, getting people to continue to listen to the pod. Maybe that's... Not what we're supposed to do. Maybe we're supposed to get it out of the way early because the, our podcasts go long. But whatever. Here we are. Talk about Iowa State's running back, Breesaw. Ben, take it away. Good ball player, man. Very good ball yeah. player. Yeah. Listen, 
if you uh if you like want to start watching players and you want to see a guy who like just does it not it's not just does it the right way because a lot of backs couldn't play like this just has unique instincts for the position yep Brees, listen every what every single patient running back in the entire world gets comp to who Le'Veon bell <laughs> right yes right at times Brees hall looks like Le'Veon bell he does he does it feels cheap because it's constantly brought up but it's brought up incorrectly it's like oh he kind of waited. That's like Le'Veon. No, Le'Veon just had this this understanding of when space was going to develop that you couldn't teach. It was a knack. He had a knack for space. Breeze had a knack for space. There are runs against Baylor. There's runs against Kansas State. He had multiple touchdown runs against Kansas State uh, where, where you can just tell that he's picking his way through a defense. But because of how the defense is structurally, they're trying to figure out their fits relative to where he's going. It's ball fits, right? It's off of the way that he's going to behave, and he just got three guys on a string. Runs against Texas where he's working through its zone flow, and they've got three unblocked guys working off him, and Brees Hall is just cool as a cucumber. Yeah. So when we talk about patience and feel, we're, we're talking about using your body angling angles, your positioning, where you are relative to the offensive line to tell lies to the second level and the third level of the defense to, to make impatient and, and aggressive and worried linebackers and safeties assume they know where you're going to go and think that they have to beat you to the spot. Cause that's the other thing is, is you can be a patient runner and, and pick them apart runner but you do need to have the explosiveness and agility in short areas to punish defenders when they're wrong. And Brees does. Every single defender that has ever tried to tackle Brees Hall thinks he knows how fast Brees Hall is. And he's always wrong. Because Brees is so good at playing below tempo. He's so good at playing slow. He's so good at being like, this is it. Oh, yeah, just going to do a jump. Whoop! And then all of a sudden, there's just a little little nifty little move in, in a tight area with a, a defender who is committed to a tackle. And all of a sudden, a five-yard game became a 15-yard game. He is so good at creating in tight areas with that blend of feel for space, understanding of tempo, and then his ability to, to increase his quickness. Then on top of that, there are plays where there's, you know, there's, there's, there's blitzes off the slot. There's blitzes up the middle. And there's immediate penetration. Or there's just... There's just trash in the middle. He's trying to read inside zone. There was there was a, a play against West Virginia. I watched way more Brees Hall than I was supposed to. I watched like six games. There's like trash in the middle, and and and, and it, it, it's all bottled up. And Brees bounces to the outside, and there's an edge defender there. And Kyron Williams could not get around this player. And Isaiah Spiller could not get around this player. Maybe they go through him, but they cannot get around him. And Brees just gets around him. Baylor got a free blitz on like a third and two in like the the just outside the red zone. And Brees just makes the guy miss, calm, super cool, works to the corner, beats the oncoming safety, touchdown. That explosiveness on 10 yards does not – we don't have it in Kyron. We don't have it in Isaiah. We have it in Brees. And he's 6'1", 215. He's not small. And he's got good explosiveness. I still don't think he's like an amazing deep speed guy. But I think that he's 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 better than Kyron, better than Spiller. He's, he's acceptable. It's the explosiveness that lets him beat angles. He is so, so good at fooling you into thinking that you know where he's going to be and you know where he can get. Mm -hmm. And you're always wrong. A a active offhand, great build, so he's got contact balance. So even if you get glancing contact on him, he can still survive it. He is amazing at turning garbage into gold. Such an exciting player in that regard. But it's not like a David Montgomery thing where he's just like, oh, I'm leaving structure. Like he knows how to run zone. <laughs> 
And when it's when it's time to break away from the blocking, when it's time to just work to the backside and go beat a guy up in space, he's willing to do that. He's so much more mature than Montgomery was. Gives me Sonny Michelle vibes, just with such a better build and I think with better agility as well in terms of how Michelle used to work with patience in that Georgia backfield. Right. Really, yes. really yeah. like Brees Hall as a runner. Round one player, uh, catch the football more. But as a runner, absolutely best guy we've seen, and clearly a round one caliber runner. Yeah, Sony Michelle is good. Like Sony Michelle would be is and, yeah. is, is, a, is a good comp for play him. style wise because right. Sonny's smaller. Uh, I, I mean, that, he, he is smaller, yeah. but that's just that's just a plus for Brees. Like he he yeah. play he's able to play in the elusive and speed part of the games like a much smaller player. I mean, like that was that was the big allure of Sony Michelle is that this dude could read the line of scrimmage, he could read the blocking screen, he could see the linebackers at the second level, he could put his foot in the ground and go exactly where he needed to be it is a talent to see space before it opens up and that is what Brees Hall is all about this was the player as we talked about earlier in the podcast that if I can check the athleticism box I think this dude's going round one I really do he he is what so what athleticism doubts you have the, I, no just the long speed stuff and and i'm not saying that that's like make or break for him to be good like i think that Brees Hall is absolutely going to be good in the nfl i'm more saying do i think that the league could draft him first round without saying that he's an elite athlete i don't i don't know i'm not doubting his ability to be good i want i want to make that very clear i think he's going to be an incredible pro he shows he shows a natural understanding of the position that just not a, I mean, it's it's rare. It, it, it's rare that you were able to understand it this way. I mean, he is a collegiate back. He started for one season now. I mean, he started about half of his freshman season, but he started for a year and a half. And this guy understands blocking concepts so well. I mean, if if they're running inside zone, he knows where he's looking at the tight end. If they're running, or sorry, if they're running outside zone, if they're running inside zones, he knows where he exactly where he's supposed to be on the outside hip of the guard. He knows exactly where to read it. He's patient with it. He knows how to put his foot in the ground when he needs to. He's not afraid to make the cutbacks. I think a big area of maturity when it comes to college football players is when you get to the point to where you start understanding the opposition, right? We mentioned that in kind of a joking manner of like quarterbacks who understand their offense. They don't really understand like why it works because they don't understand how defenses work. So they just kind of like trust like, oh, my guy's supposed to be here. And if he's open, then I'll throw him the ball or if the timing's right or this or that. Brees Hall understands gaps. He understands run fits. He understands what linebackers are thinking. And because of that, he is able to manipulate them so well. There was a run. Oh, what game was this? It was probably Baylor. Baylor, Kansas State. Baylor, Kansas State made me want to die for this kid. I think it was the Oklahoma game, actually, where he's running inside zone, and he gets to the point where he would go more to the outside. And he takes one step in that direction purposefully, and it's a plant foot to get the linebacker to overcommit to the other gap and then just immediately burst straight back up the the gap, knowing that his other offensive lineman, who was climbing to the second level but was a little bit late, was going to get there in time to then basically become a lead blocker for him up the hole. Like it, and, and that understanding just doesn't happen. At college, unless you get like a unless you get like a four year starter who's a senior who's probably still there because he's athletically limited, 
You just don't get this kind of maturity as a running back. I, if I, I, I don't know how much the NFL is going to hold their evaluations back when it comes to his long speed because I don't think that this is going to be a player. I don't think that Brees Hall is a guy who's going to hit a 50-yard touchdown for you, a 40-yard touchdown for you. I, I just don't know, unless, of course, you know, if the blocking's great, then it springs you and you make one guy miss and it makes it happen. But I'm saying that, like, him going out and just being an open playmaker in space, I don't know if he consistently has that kind of athleticism. And I wonder if the NFL is going to be okay with drafting a player who does not bring that to the table. But I think that they should, because even though he might not have the ability to, quote-unquote, break a big one for you, the efficiency that this guy will have every time you target him and get him the ball will be more than enough to suffice for your run game and accomplish what you want to accomplish, gaining yards, continuing to move the chains, alleviate the passing game, and all of that. Because he understands everything mm-hmm. so, so well. I-, I think he's got great hands, too. He just doesn't get a lot of looks uh, in the passing game. And so I don't even think that's a negative on him. The only thing that's really holding me back from him being a projected first-round pick is I wonder if the NFL will hold it back with him maybe not being the best athlete. But perhaps I'm, again, underselling his athleticism, and maybe he's a lot more athletic. I read that he ran a 4-4-3 coming out of high school. So, Mm. you know, you're in the ballpark at that point. I don't know what he's running now, but shoot, you run anything sub 4-5, yeah, he's probably going to be a first-round pick. So this was a delight of a player led led college football in rushing yards last year had over 1500 yards um also learned that he is the cousin of roger craig who was the three-time super bowl champion with the san francisco 49ers was the nfl's offensive player of the year in 1988 i believe so i mean he's got the football look he's got the football background he's got the football running through his blood and he'll show it every single game as yep. one of the most impressive playmakers in college football last year. What he ran that four four three in college in high school? I think so. Yes. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. He was. I don't know if you watched twenty nineteen. I did because I fell in love with him. So I like I said, I watched way Good. too much of him. Good. Um, he was faster in twenty nineteen, but he was definitely lighter. And I wish he was five eleven so that he could carry. 200 205 pounds and it would be okay but it, like, he's like spiller he's six one and he's upright and so he needs to carry a little bit more mass to have the density in his lower half that you need him to have to win between the tackles and i think that that probably is going to eat into his speed a little bit but that's the exchange you have to make both he and spiller are upright players weird class in that regard the two best backs not low riding guys which is very much not what we've seen in recent classes naji uh harris excluded of course you think he's a first round back uh, if Sonny went first one, if Sonny went round one, then Brees all should go round one. No, oh, I, yeah, I think he does. I agree with you. I think that this is a player who you could, you could justify with a late first round pick. I really do. Um, but there's a lot that we got to get to a lot. We're going to analyze with the running back class, how much Brees Hall really separates himself from the rest of the pack. I think we'll also go into it. I think that that's something that Najee Harris was able to do. Um, even though the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne right after him, not so sure the rest of the league was going to. And so I think that Najee almost being this clear cut RB one helped this case even more because it just makes teams think, okay, we've got to go get this guy. And if that's the case with Brees Hall, then I certainly put all of that in the conversation for him to be a top 32 pick next April. All right, we got three guys down. We're going three guys tomorrow. We'll leave it to a little bit of a mystery so you guys can uh, tune in. You know, it's teasers. We're getting better at them. We got the best of the rest coming up on Wednesday. 
before we get to that Wednesday podcast, if you guys are listening to this and you really want us to get to one of your favorite draft eligible backs, tweet at us at Tampa Bay Trey at Benjamin Solak. We'll get some eyes on him. We'll bring him to the table. We'll get our thoughts out on him and uh, we'll let you know where we where we have them ranked when we get to Thursday's episode, which is the uh, top fives for running backs. Whole lot of running back talk, whole lot of scouting talk coming to you throughout the week. Until tomorrow, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.